Hi, I'm Asha Tomlinson. And I'm David Common. And we're hosts of CBC Marketplace. We're award-winning investigative journalists that want to help you avoid clever scams, unsafe products, and sketchy services. Our TV show has been Canada's top investigative consumer watchdog for more than 50 years. But this is our first podcast. CBC Marketplace podcast is available now on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. It's sometimes hard to fathom that there was a time before COVID-19. Back in March, not that long after physical isolation measures took effect, we talked to a psychiatrist about how we could manage our anxiety and take care of our mental health. But that isolation has continued, and at the same time, we've witnessed so much tragedy as this virus takes its toll. Many are dealing with other stressors as they face the threat of COVID-19 every day, from healthcare workers to grocery store staff. Many of you feel your ability to manage is reaching its limits. We want you to know that we're in this together, and we're going to provide some resources where you can reach out for help at the end of this podcast. So today on The Dose, our topic for you is, I'm struggling with my mental health because of the ongoing pandemic. What can I do to cope? Joining me today to offer some frontline insight into how Canadians are feeling and how distress workers are helping them cope is Elisa Simon. She's the chief youth officer for Kids Help Phone. But here's the thing. COVID-19 has taken such an enormous toll on everyone's mental health that Kids Help Phone started a dedicated support service for adults. Hi, Elisa. Welcome to The Dose. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for speaking with us. Why did Kids Help Phone decide to open a support line for grown-ups? So the reality is that for over 30 years, Kids Help Phone has been the go-to place for young people. And we take that incredibly serious and it's a privilege for us. But what we realize is that there is no national go-to place for adults. And we hear every day from adults that are reaching out to our texting service, for example, and they start it with... I'm so sorry, I'm not a kid. Can I still use this? <laughs> really? And we thought there is a huge gap in the fact that adults, parents, frontline workers are experiencing high levels of anxiety and stress right now. They don't know where to turn. There are lots of helplines, but they're fractured. And we thought we've got volunteers raising their hands saying they want to be a part of a solution. Let's quickly scale something up and make sure everybody has the support they need. How have the things people reach out about changed over the course of this pandemic? Well, that's been one of the most interesting things. We have really been tracking in all of our data, not only the number, so we have seen our service more than double since the same time last year, but we're seeing what they're reaching out about change. And some of it's not surprising. 53% more conversations about isolation since COVID began, hmm. a 50% increase in conversations about anxiety and stress. But some of the things actually have been interesting, and I wouldn't have necessarily expected them. So eating and body image, a 64% increase in conversations about that. So we're seeing a lot of interesting things. We continue to look at the data to train our team um, and to make sure that we are able to provide support for whatever it is that people are reaching out about. We know there are uh, lots of concerns that are unique to being a child. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, so a lot of young people right now are going through this process of trying to figure out what does this new world of social isolation mean? And 
you know, for some of them, this was kind of great. They were out of school for a while. They were at home. Maybe they got to watch more TV. But I think that all of us are in this process of figuring out what is the new normal. And depending on where they live, if they're in Quebec, they might be going back to school today. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean when you go back to school, but suddenly your class is half of what it used to be and your recesses are very different? Um, What does it mean when you are at home with the same people all the time and maybe feel disconnected to your friends or your community? And so we've seen young people reaching out about a lot of questions of how do I do the things that I that bring me happiness? How do I do the things that I used to do or that I used to enjoy? And then I would say it goes from there all the way to really serious challenges. Um, We've seen a significant increase in conversations about abuse, emotional, physical, and sexual. Um, And we know that when young people are in unsafe homes, school often is a safe place for them. And so when young people are in this new reality, for many of them, this is a really trying time um, where they feel like there are very few supports available. Have you been hearing from kids who are worrying about their parents? Absolutely. We hear from young people who are worried uh, about their parents as it relates to their relationship. So they are seeing their parents potentially have tension. Um, They're worried about parents' jobs or money. Kids are kind of like sponges. They soak up what it is that they are hearing and feeling from those around them. And so absolutely, kids reach out to us because they're concerned about what's happening within their family unit. And we've seen a shift over time as the pandemic continued. But certainly conversations about families, uh, conversations around grief um, and relationships, all of those are are up. Can you say more about the, the stories of grief that have been coming through the helpline? It really varies. I mean, one of the things that makes Kids Help Phones so unique is that we are not, you know, the bullying line or the mental health line or the suicide line. We are the kids help phone for any challenge that a young person is facing, big to small, because it's all big to that young person. So when people reach out to us about grief, they're sometimes talking about the loss of a loved one during this time, whether it's COVID related or not. They also could be talking about incredible grief from the loss of their social activities, from the Mm -hmm. loss of graduating, right? I mean, we have a whole group of people that have worked really, really hard to graduate from some program or another that can't celebrate in the same way as they would have before. Um, There's grief for relationships that maybe are ending during this time. So, you know, we talk about these big buckets, grief or isolation, but underneath those are the tens of thousands of stories of what individual young people are going through and the coping strategies and resiliency that we work on to try and get young people to the next step. You know, the other difference now compared to a couple of months back is the burden of loss that people have experienced. We just passed the grim marker of 5,000 deaths in Canada uh, from COVID-19. And on top of that, you know, because of the coronavirus precautions, you know, many family members haven't been able to be with their loved ones when they passed What's the impact of that? Yeah, so I mean, I think that for anybody that has experienced the loss of a loved one, it is always a tremendous sense of grief, right? And then when you layer on the fact that you can't physically be with them, that is an exponential level of grief. I think that there's a lot of guilt that goes along with that. Death is really hard to understand. It's really hard to know what's happening. And for a lot of young people, being there, seeing that loved person, being able to hold their hand and get a hug and tell them how they're feeling, that's an important sense of closure that nobody is getting right now. 
We're talking about young people here, but how about adults and grief that they haven't been able to manifest and, and express in the usual way? Yeah. For a lot of the adults that reach out to us, one of the things that I consistently hear is this idea that they have to be strong, mm. that they're not allowed to sort of break down, particularly for parents. They have to be strong for their kids, right? And so when you're all cooped up in the house, how do you have the moment where you are allowed to cry, when you are allowed to scream and you are allowed to grieve? Where is that that space? Um, and I think that really is hard for all of us to figure out where is the space for us to have an authentic moment to recognize that we're not doing okay or that we need help or that we just need to cry. And particularly for adults, and we see this, you know, as I said, for parents, it happens a lot with um, with men, where there's a feeling of like, it's not okay to, to break down, you have to sort of be strong. And that's why, you know, Kids Help Phone has always been there for kids, but why we're increasingly a part of more and more initiatives to be able to support adults, because adults need those places to be able to reach out. And through text, you can do it without anybody hearing you. It's a private conversation and you don't need a huge computer or space. You can be sitting in a corner and reach out, connect and get support. What kinds of advice are your counselors offering to help people cope with the issues they're struggling with? Yeah, I mean, a lot of what we do with all of our conversations is, first of all, to normalize the feelings that people are having. A lot of time we feel like, well, maybe maybe I'm just crazy or I don't know if I'm overreacting. And that's true for every age, right? And so we want to allow you the space to talk about the feelings you're having, talk about why, normalize that. And then we do what we call collaborative problem solving. And that can include connecting you potentially to resources in your community or online. Maybe there are grief support groups, for example, that could be helpful to you. And then it's also a lot of what I find we're doing right now is trying to remind people of the coping strategies that they've done in the past or that might mm. work for them. Because right now, for a lot of us, it feels like there's nothing I can do right? I'm stuck in my house. And so reminding people and talking through what have you done in the past that maybe made you feel a little bit better? Or what, what would you maybe want to try? Because there are still things that all of us can do, whether that is taking a walk, writing in a journal, singing at the top of our lungs. There are things that all of us can still do and making sure we remember what those are, that we take the time to do that. Um, that's really critical, particularly in a time of social isolation. You mentioned that other kind of grief that people are going through, other kinds of losses of jobs, of income, of businesses. I can imagine that's a really hard one to help with. You know, these are cold, hard facts, you know, that people are losing their jobs and that businesses are going under. What do you say to people? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the um, challenge and the reality of mental health supports is we don't have a magic wand to make it all better, right? And so what we talk about is really about the emotional response to that. And then we can think about what are some, you know, next steps that you can take if we're talking about unemployment. But the reality is that usually people are contacting us because they're having an emotional response and they need to talk through that emotional response as opposed to people saying, can you give me the number for the unemployment office and mm. help me fill out an application, right? 
they're usually contacting us because their level of anxiety or stress or depression or sadness has gotten to a point where they have to talk through what's going on. And so we often talk about, you know, one of the examples I use a lot is the young person that calls us with tremendous complexity in their lives, right? And they're talking about maybe they think they are transgender and if their family finds out, they're going to kick them out of the house and their friends Mm. have stopped talking to them and they're not able to finish out the school year and it goes on and on. And then they mention and they haven't slept in days. Well, if you haven't slept in days, we need you to get to sleep. We need you to get Mm. some sleep because you can't begin to think about coping with all of these things that are real and troubling if you haven't gotten some sleep. So our focus of that conversation will be, can we help you get to sleep tonight? Can we do some calming things so that you will be able to get some sleep tonight? And can you maybe call back in tomorrow? And let's have a conversation of how do we tackle some of these other bigger things. You do all Um, of that. We do all all of that. (laughs) Wow. Between today's wellness fads and news about tomorrow's medical breakthroughs, it's hard to know what health information actually applies to you. Luckily, there's a podcast that breaks through the noise, TED Health from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts that break down the questions you didn't know you had. Will eating a plant-based diet make you healthier? How does your neighborhood impact your health? How will medical treatments change in the future? Learn all this and more on TED Health. Find TED Health wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go back to adults for a moment. Working from home and having kids at home is hard for parents especially as more time passes. For some parents, that's especially difficult if they don't have the time or the resources to homeschool. So what should parents keep in mind as they struggle with all the hats they're trying to wear at the same time? Yeah. Um, As a parent who is working at home, I so appreciate that question. Um, One of the things that I say to a lot of parents um, when I'm talking to them and I try to say to myself is we have to cut ourselves a little bit of slack right now. The reality is, is we are all trying to do the best that we can to be great parents to our kids who are dealing with this whole new world. We're trying to keep our jobs and perform really high, you know, at a high level. And we're trying to do those at the same time. And at the best of times before COVID, you know, being a parent and being a full-time uh, employee are challenging. And right now, we have to know that sometimes our kids are going to come in in the middle of our conference call. Um, that sometimes we might have to ask if we can have 30 minutes off in the middle of the day so that we can go help kids with uh, their homework. And I think that school districts and departments of education are really needing to continue to work with parents about how can more and more services and supports go online so that kids have those, those programs so that parents aren't having to play full-time teacher. But we also all have to realize this came on really suddenly It feels like it's been forever. Uh, It's really been, I can't even remember how many weeks at this point. It's over eight weeks, but yeah, I've lost track as well. (laughs) But I think we all have to be, try to be kind to ourselves and understand that we are trying to juggle things in a world that is feeling very much new, out of control. I think all of us need to take some time to just recognize that no one has been through this. There's no, there's no workbook, right? There's no playbook that some of us should have read and we just didn't. Um, we're figuring this out day by day. Some days are going to be better than others. Some days we're going to have knocked it out of the park and other days we're going to feel like, I don't know if I can get out of bed to do this. Mm. Um, and that's when you reach out for support, you reach out to talk to somebody and we wake up the next day and we do it again. 
Um, children are facing what might seem like small losses to us, you know, grown-ups, a canceled birthday party or a school play, a sports season down the tubes. Ironically, a lot of things we encourage kids to do to stay healthy are diminished. How can parents help to mitigate those losses? So I think one of the first things is to recognize it's a loss. Something that parents often try and do is we try and say, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal. Don't mm, worry. I've, I've really? done that. Right? So have I. Everyone does it. it. And it's it's easy to say it as a theoretical concept. It's different when it's your kid looking at you. So the first thing is to recognize it is a loss. It is hard when you couldn't wait to graduate, when you couldn't wait to play that sports game. You couldn't wait for the dance-a-thon, whatever it is. And so to recognize that that is a loss for that young person and to acknowledge that. And allow that to have a little bit of space. And then I think you can start thinking about, okay, well, is there something else that we could do? Is there something we could do to make this birthday special? Um, and that you may or may not be able to come up with something. I know certainly I have seen a lot of really amazing ideas um, out in the world around how to acknowledge graduations, how to acknowledge birthdays. I have a nine-year-old, and she said to me, you know, well, if I can't have my party next month for my birthday, um, could we have an all-night sleepover on Zoom? And I was like, that's a really interesting idea. Maybe we could do that. Um, Sounds so like I think fun. It does. <laughs> um, so I think it is a combination of just recognizing that that is a loss for the young person and not trying to gloss over it, and then figuring out what can we still do to celebrate? And are there things that we could do that maybe we wouldn't have done before? There are potentially new ideas that we could have to celebrate some of these milestones. There are emotions that people grapple with, and then there are the things that people do to try and cope with those emotions. We've heard people raise concerns about increased substance use. What are the red flags that you've crossed a line and are using substances in a harmful way to try and cope? So one of the things that we talk about when it comes to substance use in particular is, are you seeing that you are using substances in a way that is harmful to you, um, that is changing the way that you have used them before? And then we have a lot of great articles and information on our website to come up with self-care things, to tell other people about um, how they're using substances. And then there are substance abuse support or treatment services that are still available right now. And so we want to make sure to be connecting people to those services. Um, and they're available across Canada. And so if people are seeing that it is altering their behavior, um, that they're feeling differently, that they're using substances more often. And I mean, we're seeing a 42% increase in conversations about substance abuse. So we know it is impacting them. We know that many people face barriers to getting help. For people listening to this podcast who might have heard some of their own struggles reflected in our conversation between you and I, what do you want them to know? So what I want every person across Canada to know is that there is support and help available 24-7. And it is as simple as having the courage to pick up your phone. If you're a kid, you can text TALK to 686868, or you can call 1-800-668-6868. And if you're an adult or anybody else, text the word WELLNESS to 741-741. We are there for you 24-7. You do not have to go through anything by yourself. Alisa Simon, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you so much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. That was Elisa Simon, Chief Youth Officer at Kids Help Phone, a role that's evolved into making sure there's mental health support both for young people and adults. 
in the midst of COVID-19. Here's your dose of smart advice. If you're feeling stressed or anxious because of something related to COVID-19, remember the things you might have done before the coronavirus to feel better. Do something that distracts you like reading a book, play with a pet if you have one, or go for a walk and pay attention to nature. There's a good chance that what you need to feel better is something you already know how to do. One way or another, we're all going through this, so you're not alone, and you shouldn't have to face it alone. Whatever it is you're feeling, you don't need to tough it out or minimize it. If it's causing you distress, there are people ready to listen. One of the things about feeling sad is that the feeling makes you think it will last forever. Many people are surprised that it only takes a brief chat with someone else for those bad feelings to pass. If your child or a young person in your life is struggling, you can be there to listen. But it's also okay to have them call a confidential service like Kids Help Phone they can talk it out with someone else. If you or someone else you know is struggling or just need to talk, visit kidshelpphone.ca, call 1-800-668-6868, or text 686868. We've also posted those talk and text numbers on our website at cbc.ca slash whitecoat. At The Dose, we'll continue to bring you the best information we can on COVID-19. If you have questions about the coronavirus, let us know what they are and we'll do our best to get you some answers. Email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can tweet me at NightShiftMD or the other show I host at CBC White Coat. For more on the state of Canadians' mental health during COVID-19, tune in to White Coat Black Art, where we'll be continuing the conversation this weekend. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Dose was produced by Nicole Ireland, Donna Dingwall, and me, with help from Ariane Robinson and digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Austin Pomeroy for technical support above and beyond the call of duty. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health, but if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.